Chapter Seventeen of Master of the Vineyard by Myrtle Reed. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Last Tryst. The shrill voices in the sitting room rose higher and higher. Since the day grandmother had read the article upon Woman's Birthright to Matilda, the subject of Mrs. Lee's hair had, as it were, been drowned in cucumber milk. When Rosemary came in from the kitchen, they appealed to her by common consent. Rosemary, have you ever heard of anybody taking a stool and a pail and going out to milk the cucumbers before breakfast? This from Aunt Matilda. Rosemary, ain't you seen the juice of wild cucumbers when they spit their seeds out and ate it just like milk, only some thicker? This from Grandmother. I don't know, Rosemary answered mechanically. The queer sense of a double self persisted. One of her was calm and content. The other was rebellious and hurt. Humph! snorted grandmother humph echoed aunt matilda it's thursday grandmother reminded her and i heard the mail train come in some time ago you'd better leave the sweepin and go and get my paper yes do aunt matilda chimed in with a sneer i can't hardly wait for this week's paper more than the other sufferin five million can maybe there'll be a pattern for a cucumber milkin stool in this week's paper something made out of a soap-box with cucumber leaves and blossoms painted on it with some green and yellow house paint that happens to be left over and she continued there ought to be a pail too but i reckon a tin can'll do for the cucumbers i've seen so far don't look as if they'd be likely to give much milk we can paint the can green and paste a picture of a cucumber on the outside from the seed catalogue of course i ain't got any freckles but there's nothing like having plenty of cucumber milk in the house with hot weather coming on grandmother surveyed matilda with a penetrating icy stare you've got freckles on your mind she said rosemary will you go to the post office and not keep me waiting the girl glanced down at her brown gingham dress and hesitated you're clean enough grandmother observed tartly anybody'd think you had a beau waiting for you somewheres she flushed to her temples but did not speak her face was still red when she went out wearing a brown straw hat three summers old the paper says grandmother continued that a blush is becoming to some women but rosemary ain't one that looks well with a red face do you suppose she has got a bow can't prove it by me matilda sighed looking pensively out of the window that marsh boy came to see her once though he didn't come again i notice no more'n the minister did no matilda rejoined pointedly with a searching glance at grandmother and i reckon it was for the same reason when young folks comes to see young folks they don't want old folks settin in the room with em all the time talkin about things they ain't interested in young folks snorted grandmother you was thirty that ought to be old enough to set alone with a man for a spell especially if he's a minister i suppose you think the old lady returned swiftly gathering her ammunition for a final shot that the minister was minded to marry you i've told you more'n once that you're better off the way you are marriage ain't much i've been through it and i know with that she sailed triumphantly out of the room closing the door with a bang which had in it the sound of finality poor miss matilda gazed dreamily out of the window treasuring the faint fragrant memory of her lost romance 
if rosemary has got a bow she said to herself i hope she won't let ma scare him away from her at the post-office rosemary met alden face to face she blushed and stammered when he spoke to her answered his kindly questions in monosyllables and snatching the household guardian from the outstretched hand of the postmaster hurried away presently he overtook her please rosemary he said give me just a minute i want to talk to you i haven't seen you for a long time yes she stopped but could not raise her eyes to his face i can't talk to you here come up on the hill when the girl's lips scarcely moved as she asked the question now please come i'll i'll have to go home first with this she replied indicating the paper then i'll come all right i'll go on ahead and wait for you shall i tie the red ribbon to the tree he spoke thoughtlessly meaning only to be pleasant but the girl's eyes filled she shook her head decisively and neither of them spoke until they reached the corner where she must turn good-bye she said Wiedersehen, he replied lifting his hat don't be long always before it had been rosemary who waited for him now he sat upon the log leaning back against the tree listening to the chatter of the squirrels and the twitter of little birds in the boughs above him it was not yet noon and the sunlight made little dancing gleams of silver gilt on the ground between the faint shadows of the leaves he waited for her in a fever of impatience for in his pocket he had a letter for edith addressed in a dashing masculine hand not so long ago in this same place he had asked rosemary to marry him now he must ask her to release him to set him free from the bondage he had persisted in making for himself he made a wry face at the thought unspeakably dreading the coming interview and in his heart despising himself rosemary did not keep him waiting long when she came she was flushed and breathless from the long climb and something more she sank down upon the seat he indicated her old place it's been a long time since we were here last alden observed awkwardly has it the gray eyes glanced at him keenly for a moment then swiftly turned away i've i've wanted to see you alden lied i've wanted to see you she flashed back telling the literal truth alden sighed for there was tremulous passion in her tone almost resentment he had treated her badly considering that she was his promised wife she had been shamefully neglected and she knew it and the hour of reckoning had come for the moment he caught at the straw the situation seemed to offer him if they should quarrel if he could make her say harsh things it might be easier instantly his better self revolted coward he thought cad i've wanted to see you rosemary was saying with forced calmness to tell you something i can't marry you ever why rosemary he returned surprised beyond measure what do you mean the girl rose and faced him he rose too awkwardly stretching out his hand for hers she swerved aside and clasped her hands behind her back i mean what i said it's plain enough isn't it yes he answered putting his hands in his pockets it's perfectly plain if i've done anything to hurt or offend you in any way i'm i'm sorry so much was true he was sorry for rosemary and had never been more so than at that very moment you'll give me a reason won't you he continued reason she repeated with a bitter laugh 
oh i have plenty of reasons his heart sank for a moment then went on evenly it's all a mistake it's never been anything but a mistake i couldn't leave grandmother and aunt matilda you know they need me and i shouldn't have allowed myself to forget it yes alden agreed quickly i suppose they do need you i was selfish perhaps hot words came to her lips but she choked them back for an instant she was tempted to tell him all she had seen and heard a few days before to accuse him of his disloyalty and then prove it her face betrayed her agitation but alden was looking out across the valley and did not see in his pocket the letter for edith lay consciously as though it were alive it isn't that you don't love me is it he asked curiously his masculine vanity had been subtly aroused rosemary looked him straight in the face she was white now to the lips yes she lied it is that more than anything else why my dear girl i thought so did i we were both mistaken that is all and you really don't love me not in the least alden laughed a little mirthless mocking laugh it is astonishing sometimes how deeply a man may be hurt through his vanity rosemary had turned away and he called her back won't you kiss me good-bye he asked with a new humility then rosemary laughed too but her laugh was also mirthless no she answered in a tone from which there was no appeal why should i before he realized it she was gone he went back to the log and sat down to think this last tryst with rosemary had been a surprise in more ways than one he had been afraid that she would be angry or hurt and she had been neither he had come to ask for freedom and she had given it to him without asking because she could not leave grandmother and aunt matilda and because she did not love him he could understand the first reason but the latter seemed very strange yet rosemary had looked him straight in the face and he had never known her to lie he had a new emotion toward her not exactly respect but something more than that then with a laugh he straightened his shoulders he had what he wanted though it had not come in the way he thought it would if he had been obliged to ask her to release him he would have felt worse than he did now the letter in his pocket heavy with portent asserted itself imperiously he hurried home feeling very chivalrous edith cool and fresh in white linen with one of the last of the red roses thrust into her belt was rocking on the veranda with a book in her lap which she had made no pretence of reading two or three empty chairs were near her but madame was nowhere to be seen alden handed her the letter i'm free he said exultantly edith smiled then with shaking hands tore open the letter alden eagerly watched her as she turned the closely written pages but her face was inscrutable she read every word carefully until she reached the signature then she looked up i'm not she said briefly she tossed the letter to him and went into the house he heard her light feet upon the stairs and the rustle of her skirts as she ascended perfume persisted in the place she had just left the rose at her belt the mysterious blending of many sweet odors and above all the fragrance of edith herself it's nonsense he murmured looking after her all her quixotic notions of honor would eventually yield to argument 
of course they would yet his heart strangely misgave him as he read the letter my dear edith it began your letter has somewhat surprised me and yet i cannot say i feel that i don't deserve it since you have been away i have been doing a good deal of thinking of course you and i haven't hit it off very well together and as i can see no point where you have failed me i realize that it must be my fault and that i have failed you i wish you had talked to me about it instead of going away and yet even as i write the words i see how impossible it would have been for we haven't been in the habit of talking things over since the first year we were married gradually the wall of silence and reserve has grown up between us but while you with the quicker insight of a woman have seen it growing i haven't realized it until it was completed your offering me my freedom has made me wonder what my life would be without you no one has ever filled your place to me or ever will i may have seemed careless thoughtless indeed i have been both and constantly but always in the background has been the knowledge that you were there that i could depend upon you it may seem like a trite and commonplace thing to say but upon my word and honour edith i haven't meant to fail you as i see i have in a thousand ways i'm sorry deeply sorry but i know that the words will not mean much to you since i first saw you there's never been any woman in the world for me but you and there never will be even though you should cast me off as i deserve if you can make up your mind to come back to me and let me try again i'll do my best to make you happy to consider you instead of myself men are selfish brutes at the best and i don't claim to be any better than the average but all i'm asking for now is a chance to make myself worthy of you to be the sort of husband a woman like you should have please let me hear from you very soon your loving husband w g l alden read it again though he did not need to he had understood every word of it the first time then he folded it slowly and precisely and put it into the torn envelope he tapped on the arm of the chair for a moment with the edge of the envelope then mechanically put it into his pocket a robin in a maple-tree beyond him piped his few notes with unbearable intensity discordant chirps assailed his ears from the lattice where the climbing rose put forth its few last blooms swaying giddily in a crazy pattern upon the white floor of the veranda was the shadow of the rose the plaything of every passing wind he remembered the moonlight night which might have been either yesterday or in some previous life as far as his confused perceptions went when edith had stood with the rose in her hand and the clear sharply defined shadow of it had been silhouetted at her feet all his senses seemed mercilessly acute some of the roses were almost dead and the sickening scent of them mingled with the fragrance of those that had just bloomed it made him dizzy almost faint the maid announced luncheon but food or the sight of his mother were among the last things he desired just then affecting not to hear he went out got a boat and rowed far up the river alone when he was utterly exhausted he shipped the oars and let himself drift back pushing out from shore now and then when the current brought him too near he knew with crushing certainty that edith would not be swerved from her chosen path by argument but he could at least try white-faced and weary he went to his room when he reached home lay down and tried to sleep but sleep would not come he seemed to have come to a point of absolute bodily suspension neither to hunger nor thirst nor sleep again 
it was in a way like a clock that ticks steadily though the hands are definitely fixed at a certain hour and will not move he forced himself to dress for dinner and to go down at the proper time madame was waiting but edith was late when she appeared she was in the white linen gown she had worn all day with the withered rose in her belt it was the first evening she had not dressed for dinner and she at once apologized to madame i am sorry she said but it seemed impossible to make the effort to-night you'll forgive me won't you of course madame returned sweetly of course alden echoed his voice sounded distant and his eyes were dull as dinner bade fair to be a silent function madame turned to edith with the first question that came into her mind what have you been doing all the afternoon packing replied edith with dry lips or rather getting ready to pack she did not look at alden but at madame with a wan little smile that made the old lady's heart suddenly very tender toward her my dear we'll miss you so i know edith murmured and i shall miss you more than words may say but i have to go she drained the glass of water at her plate then added my husband wants me to come back he has written to say so then said madame i suppose you will have to go i suppose so repeated edith parrot-like alden's eyes never swerved from edith's white face in their depths was the world-old longing the world-old appeal but never for the fraction of an instant did edith trust herself to look at him when they rose from the table edith went back to her room immediately murmuring an excuse alden watched her despairingly until the hem of her white gown was lost at the turn of the stairs then he sat down with the paper but he could not read for the words zigzagged crazily along the page madame understood and sincerely pitied them both but there seemed to be nothing to say she leaned back in her chair with her eyes closed pretending to be asleep but in reality watching alden as he stared vacantly at the paper he held in his shaking hands at last he rose and went out upon the veranda madame started from her chair then forced herself to lean back again calmly she heard the scraping of his chair as he moved it along the veranda out of the way of the light that came through the open window for a long time there was silence longing to comfort him and unable to endure it longer madame went out softly he did not hear her step for his head was bowed upon his hands from a room above edith's light streamed out afar into the sweet darkness drawing toward it all the winged wayfarers of the night madame slipped her arm around his shoulders and bent down to him dear she said brokenly she's married alden drew a quick shuddering breath and freed himself roughly from the tender clasp i know it mother he cried in a voice vibrant with pain for god's sake don't remind me of that End of chapter seventeen